and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for today's show is Darren Solden, our Director of Economic Development. Hey, Darren. Hey, Jason. Great to be here. Exciting show today. Uh, we do have a good show. Of course, we say that every time, but this time I actually mean it. Uh, we I have, do as well. We have a, I mean it every time, folks. Don't don't take that wrong. Uh, we have a, a really important guest for us. He's one of our uh, core partners, particularly in economic development, and it is the Vice President of Research at Kansas State University, Dr. David Rosofsky. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for being with us. Um, so the first question that we ask people is to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. Sure. I, I'm, I'm an engineer by background. All my degrees are in engineering. And I, I went into um, higher ed as a career. I, I taught. I conducted research. I worked with communities. I started my career largely at Clemson University in South Carolina, a great land-grant institution. Um, I was promoted, went up through the ranks, was hired by uh, Oregon State, another great land-grant, to um, help build and run a large laboratory in earthquake engineering. Did that for a while, was recruited by Texas A&M to be the head of the civil engineering department there, uh, another great land-grant university. They're a, little, they're a little cultish there, too. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit yeah. with the whole Aggie thing, but they're, they're good folk, and, and uh, a lot of the good things that are happening uh, at uh, A&M I see happening here at, at K-State as well. I then went on to be a dean at a, a private research university in upstate New York, uh, RPI, and then a provost at the University of Vermont. When I was looking for what I would love to do next, I, I looked very seriously at some vice president for research and research and economic development related positions. And I knew I wanted to be at a great land grant and um, this opportunity came up and it just couldn't have uh, it couldn't have been more ideal for me and for my family and for the things that we love and care about. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, your decision to be vice president of research and land grant institutions. But before we get there, you oversee the university's economic development arm. And of course, we've had Rebecca Robinson on the show before and, and a lot of important work that goes on between our economic development team, which is led by Darren and and your team, which you lead, and along with Kent Glasscock. Um, so you talked about all the multiple positions you've held in universities across the country. What, what attracted you to being vice president of research, particularly at K-State? So um, as a provost and senior vice president, I, I had some oversight responsibility to much of the university and primarily the academic part of the university, but worked very closely with our vice president for research to stand up both the office and the set of expectations that we would like to achieve on behalf of the university. And I really loved that part of the work. So when it came time to think about what I wanted to do um, as, uh, next, uh, the idea of focusing on research, um, innovation, economic development, that was clearly what I wanted to do. It was a matter of finding the right type of institution. I knew I wanted to be at a public land-grant university. I was really looking for a place that was poised to do some really innovative things and, and, and maybe for some significant growth. Um, and I, I really wanted to be part of a land-grant university and university community that cherished that land-grant badge and that really understood the mission of the land-grant and, and wore it with great pride. And Manhattan is that community. So for those that aren't familiar with it, what exactly is a land-grant institution? A, a land-grant designation was a result of a program by uh, Vermont Senator Morrill uh, that resulted in the designation of um, a campus in, in every – a university in every state that would have land-grant designation and uh, land would be provided on which to found that university and some operating funds would be provided. 
so every school has, uh, every state has that. And the idea was that they would focus on the agricultural and mechanical arts, right? The A's and the M's, and that they would um, help farmers, they would help communities, um, they would help uh, bring uh, modern equipment and people that knew how to run and operate modern equipment to bear and so forth and so on. So they, that's the original land grant mission. And that, that became the teaching, research, and service mission or, or learning and discovery and engagement, however you want to parse it. And that that's um, those three pillars, the, the great land grants in K-State is one, and we're surrounded by many of the great land grants here in this area. Uh, those three pillars are still what, what drive what we do at the university. And that's the institutions you've worked at most of your career have been land grants. 30 years in land grant universities. So real quick, talk a little bit about the research enterprise at Kansas State and, and what some of the things that we're, re- that we're really, I say we, I can say can we, right? We. We're really good at. And uh, and in terms of revenues, how, how do we compare to our peers? So we, we are what I would call a, a comprehensive public research university. That is that we conduct research and scholarship and creative activity pretty much across the entire university. And like most public institutions, we have, a, we have our own collection of graduate and professional programs that may have some overlap, say, with KU, but may be different from KU. For example, we don't have medicine, we have veterinary medicine. Our research activity, I would say, is is most prolific and historically has been most prolific in um, in agriculture, in uh, animal science and veter- veterinary medicine, and in engineering. But that's not to say we're not conducting research or succeeding in our research endeavor across uh, the college, across the colleges. Uh, but traditionally, as with most A and M schools, ag. Um, engineering, vet med, those those tend to dominate in terms of research expenditures. And then, as far as how we compare against like schools, um, you know, certainly when when you put it on a per faculty uh, basis, we're we're very competitive. We have big plans for growth, but we're not starting from a deficit. And MBAF is here primarily because of that research and our proficiency in those kind of activities. Well, I think I think MBAF is here for a combination of great reasons, but certainly one of them is uh, the, the fact that K State is the university that it that it is, and that it has strengths in infectious disease and animal science and and biodefense and biosecurity. Uh, but clearly, and I, I say this even though I wasn't part of the MBAF t- the team that brought MBAF here, um, I, I have been part of the team that brought Scorpion here. So I, I say that. Uh, I say the following with some confidence. A big part of that decision was because Manhattan is the community it is. It's both that the university is what it is, the, the community is what it is, and the dynamic between the two is so so affirming and, and so optimistic. Tell us a little bit more about uh, Kansas State University's role in economic development and why it's an important part of the institution. Really, that goes back to the land-grant mission, Darren. When we talk about teaching and research and outreach, um, the outreach is to the communities, to the state, to the families, to the businesses. And and there, it's not just bringing training programs, but it's also helping families to be successful and communities to build and become successful, uh, companies to, uh, to grow successfully in our region. It, it's really about elevating quality of life for all counties in the state. Now, that's a pretty a high-level mission, but I take it pretty seriously. And one part of elevating quality of life, of course, is is um, creating economic prosperity broadly and deeply across the state. And so if you think about Kansas State University or any land-grant research university like ours in another state, our mission as a land-grant university includes being an economic engine for the state, right? So we, we, we create technologies, we create workforce, we create opportunities, um, we spin out businesses, we create um, intellectual property, 
property that's licensed and from that creates uh, other opportunities. And obviously, one of the things we're most interested in here in Kansas is creating companies that will stay in Kansas and attracting companies to set up shop here in Kansas. And we believe the nature of our university and the commitment that we put as, as a land grant to economic prosperity, we believe that we can be a big force for good for the state of Kansas. Absolutely. That's, that's uh, very well said. So why does economic development fall under the Office of Research here at K-State? It's actually a really common model. Uh, research and economic development, many people in my position hold a title that includes both terms. But increasingly, you're seeing uh, the, the combination of research and economic development for the reasons I mentioned earlier. It's, it's out of the research enterprise that new technologies, new jobs, newly skilled workforce um, are trained. So we think of research as how we can best serve the state right so you're trying to you're trying to create opportunity you're trying to create something new that's good for society you're trying to lift communities up and you're trying to advance the state of the art and in many of those cases there's an economic development angle to it or an economic development opportunity to it you mentioned the talent piece of that and and workforce have you found the relationships in Manhattan between the public and private sectors, and, and ultimately, how's that impacted our ability to attract and retain employers? So I've worked in several states before in, in a variety of roles that have intersected with economic development and have had community relations as part of my uh, portfolio responsibility. I've never seen anything quite like what we have here in Manhattan. And, and, and Jason and I have chatted about this before. The level of trust and respect and shared goals and shared commitments between the university and the community, I think is quite extraordinary. And in my limited time here, I found the companies when we're, when we're bringing them to Manhattan, Kansas, to talk with the the, the chamber to talk with the university, to talk with some of our businesses and our elected officials, they always leave with the comment, I've never seen anything quite like the relationship between uh, what we call town and gown, the relationship between the city of Manhattan and Kansas State University. That relationship really is important and I think we feel the same way and have seen some of the same uh, responses from companies when we host them and it's a pleasure working obviously with your team to, to do that work. You've recently um, uh, released an uh, economic development strategy at the university. Um, talk a little bit about how that's going to impact. So you're referring to our economic prosperity plan, uh, which we formally released back in December. That actually uh, came out of a charge from KBOR to each of the three regions universities to articulate a plan for economic development. And of course, as I've shared, that's in the land grant narrative and in the blood of Kansas State University. So we set to work over a period of about a year and a half to craft and refine and socialize a very ambitious, very bold plan for statewide economic prosperity, not asking how can we bring more people to K-State, although of course we always want that, but asking how can we activate the assets of K-State to help lift up communities in all 105 uh, counties across Kansas. And we set some very ambitious goals. I believe they're achievable, and I think the early successes we've had should should um, give folks confidence. But we've set the goal in a 10-year period to create 3,000 new jobs and bring $3 billion of new investment into the state of Kansas. And of course, you're seeing some of the activities that the university and the chamber are working hand in glove together to achieve um, toward those those goals. When KBOR 
said we would like each of the three regions universities to do this, and of course we created our plan, was about the time that I was joining K-State. I opted to no longer call it the KBOR Pillar 3 plan um, with no disrespect to KBOR whatsoever, but rather to say this is Kansas State's economic prosperity plan so that we could engender the broadest and deepest support across the campus for these activities so that it didn't appear top down, but rather appeared very much organically arising from our land grant soils, right? And if you look at the if you look at the priority areas for us in food and agricultural systems innovation, in digital ag um, and advanced analytics in the ag space, and biodefense and biosecurity, these are the right areas for Kansas State. And we believe that we can help our state of Kansas to become globally competitive for business in those spaces. And you you talked about KBOR, and for those unfamiliar, that's Kansas Board of Regents, which is uh, the governing body for uh, Kansas State. Um, you mentioned Scorpion a minute ago. It's obviously a huge win and and something that um, is was a target in your strategy. How did Kansas State influence that location decision? And then conversely, what advantages are there to the university now that a company like Scorpion is going to locate in the community? Let me start with two things, Jason. First of all, I think um, I think attracting Scorpion to Manhattan was a all hands effort. Um, certainly the university played a part, but uh, as did the chamber, as did other government and business officials, as did the state. It provides evidence of the things that we, we can do together. And the second thing I'll say is as exciting as uh, Scorpion is, and it really is, um, I believe it's just the beginning. And I think we're already seeing uh, because of Scorpion, who I believe is here because of MBAF and the Biosecurity Research Institute at K-State and the College of Veterinary Medicine at K-State, th- these things are beginning to build on, on, on one another. And I think that we have the opportunity here in Manhattan to become the, the, essentially the biodefense biosecurity hub of uh, of the world, certainly of the nation. And I think that's going to happen um, more quickly than people m- may anticipate, um, perhaps because they had to get used to a very long onboarding of NBAF uh, because of the nature of the federal uh, build out of that project. But I think attracting private companies, that's going to move it at a different pace. As for what it means for K-State, uh, it means that we have uh, new partners in research. We have new opportunities for our students in terms of internships and co-ops and um, summer work and ultimately jobs. Uh, it means we'll have the ability to attract um, n- new scientists and new researchers into our labs. Um, I think Scorpion um, is better for having K-State here and vice versa. And they'll have a relationship certainly with the Biosecurity Research Institute at K-State, and they'll have a relationship certainly with MBAF as well. And then I, I, I do want to reiterate that I think when you talk with um, Jeff Wolf, the CEO of Scorpion, he, he leads, by the way, he, he wears his purple, right? So he, he's really uh, all in. But he leads with, we came for the culture and community. We know the science is here. We know the research enterprise is here. We know the that MBAF is here. But it was the culture and community between the university and, and the city of Manhattan that, that I think closed the deal. I agree with you. And we've talked a lot about the Scorpion's first visit to Manhattan, where they basically said, you have three hours to convince us why you should continue to be in the hunt. And you participated in that, even though you'd been here, what, I think one night, right? One night. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you'd, you'd come into town the night before and said, I'm starting work n- the next day. And I'm they said, all in. Well, guess what? We've got a really interesting <laughs> uh, meeting for you to start the day off with. So wh- what were your impressions of that meeting? That was a that was a big meeting. It was a big meeting. And I appreciate that I sort of um, jetted in at the 11th hour on that meeting. Um, but I was immediately struck again by the, the partnerships between the university, the foundation, IP, um, the, the chamber, um, the, the, the Fort Riley, um, state and local government. All the players were already at the table. Um, but the other thing I'll have to tell you and, uh, is that I was very fortunate to have been seated near Jeff um, at some of those early discussions. So he and I were able to form a, a good bonding relationship that uh, as two relative newbies to Manhattan, we'd both been in the community about the same number of hours. Um, and we were able to sort of bring our, our own vantage point in histories as, as East Coast folk um, to, to Manhattan uh, and, and say what we were sort of falling in love with almost immediately. And um, the relationship grew from there and obviously the um, opportunities for the city, state, and university grew as well. And of course, we went from, yeah, Manhattan, we'll go look at Manhattan, but that's probably not someplace we'll consider to basically being exactly. in the lead at that point. So it was a, it was a big day for, for the economic development team. As you look forward, let's talk about K-State again for a minute. What are your personal goals for the Office of Research at Kansas State? So as I've shared with, with, with my office, which is a team of exceptionally talented and dedicated professionals at K-State, um, I view our our operation as um, a service operation that we, we exist to enable the highest levels of success of our faculty members. It's really that simple. So um, I want to have a best-in-class operation where we help faculty to identify and attract support for the research, where we help uh, to promote the, the conduct of that research, where we help to attract great people and great companies and great organizations into the region, and where we are championing the findings of that work and the importance of that work out into the broader public. And, and I'm happy when uh, the number of researchers at K-State goes up. I'm happy when the amount of federal dollars coming into K-State for research goes up. I'm happy when the number of licenses and, and IP-related activity goes up. I'm happy when researchers collaborate increasingly across colleges. So we have engineers working with political scientists, working with agronomy uh, specialists and so forth. I'm happy when Kansas State University researchers are leading multi-university centers because they're K-State University. So those are the metrics that that I track and that we're going to try to drive here at K-State. So as a relative newcomer and a member, an important member of our economic development team, as you look at the broader picture of the community, what are some of the challenges and opportunities that we have in Manhattan and how do you see the Kansas State Institution fitting into that? Well, as I talk with companies about coming into Manhattan, I, I, I understand, A, what it is they're hoping to find here if they were to locate with, uh, with their employees. And I also understand um, what our competitors have that we may not have. And we're, we're actually in very good shape. There are some things that we're going to need, I think, to, to make some investment in. You and I have chatted about this. Um, I think we're going to need some, some additional space that's laboratory ready for com- small companies to start out or new companies that are coming in to, to, to work in while they're building out their new spaces. You and I have talked about the fact that I think we the university and city need to have a natatorium so that we have a, a swimming facility. I think that's... Um, just an expectation of, of cities of our size when they're recruiting companies. And then the last thing is I would love to see, um, and I believe this is all coming, um, I'd love to see some additional service out of Manhattan Airport. 
um, I'd love to see a flight going east. And I think if we can put these things together as we continue to grow and as we continue to to um, attract more more folks into Manhattan, um, I think we're as good as any place in the country. We agree. You're done with the easy part okay. of today's questions. Every segment will have a rapid fire section where we shoot out a series of questions to our guests and have them answer about something. So we get to know that person a little better. And I think Darren's going to ask today's questions. Do you think you're ready? Bring it on. Number one, something people often find surprising about you. That I'm an introvert, despite the fact that I love talking. I love speaking with people. Um, I cherish my downtime and my alone time. An important part of being an introvert is faking being an extra, extrovert exactly well. Right. Um, what are three things you can't live without? My family, my iPhone, and milk chocolate. There you go. And I assume fourth on the list is coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, third question, best piece of advice you ever received? Surround yourself with smart people. Surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with good energy people. And uh, don't be afraid to love any good idea. What is your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving, hands down. The food? It, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Just just had to qualify that. Uh, what advice would you give the 19-year-old David? Hold on to your hair. No, no, no. I, I would say- <laughs> Is that um, possible? Because I, I would have liked uh, that too. I had so much hair in I'm 19. struggling with that as well. I, I would say to 19-year-old to David, um, try it. Just try it. Um, life doesn't need to be scripted or, or fully planned or, or even a straight line. Just try it. All right. We're halfway through. Now come the hard questions. Good. Favorite flavor of ice cream? That's yeah, easy. It's chocolate chip. All right. Favorite pet? That's easy too. It's my dog, Journey, who is the most amazing dog on the planet. And we rescued him. And in so many ways, he rescued us. What type of dog is Journey? He's a mutt. Yeah. Yeah, he's a mutt. He's got a lot of Chesapeake Bay Retriever in him, but he's got a lot of other stuff too. Is he named after the band or is it just a we, random um, name? We... Michelle and I say we named him after the band. Yeah. But it's also, he was on a journey. He was rescued at a, 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 a high kill shelter in the South when he was brought up to the North where we were living. Biggest lesson the pandemic taught you? Well, as you may know, I do a lot of writing and speaking on just that topic. Um, so I would say the biggest lesson that the pandemic has taught me is that higher education can be nimble and responsive and adapt quickly when needed. We talked about the pandemic without saying the word pivot. So we're going to pivot to another question, texting or talking. Oh, this is me. It's talking. There yeah. we go. There we go. And finally, what is your favorite business book? It's not only my favorite. It's the one that I've given to many leaders that have come to work with me. And I think it's become their favorite as well. It's Good to Great by Jim Collins. That's a good one. Yeah. So you were ready for that. So, oh, I was ready you for did. that. You were, you were great at that. I was ready for that. Dr. David Rosowski, thank you so much for your leadership and and jumping right in and being part of our team and, and helping lead that. And thank you for joining us in that AstroCast studios today for our Think MHK podcast. My pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.